What we learned, however, last week is we're not trying to be the healthiest people in the world. That's not it, because this is what we learned. Remember this? We are not people of the what? Er. We are people. No, we are people of the. There. So you, we are not people of the. That's right. We are not people of the S. In other words, we're not trying to be the prettiest and the thinnest and the strongest and the richest. We just want to do better. We are people of the er, not people of the... Did you say that to anybody this week? Well, that's what we're learning. We're not people of the S. We are people of the er. And that's the way it is. Because God isn't looking for us to be the very best in all this. He just wants us to be a little bit... For instance, see this right here? Remember? Take a look at this picture. We're not trying to do this. God isn't calling us to be the muscle man and the richest and the prettiest and have all that kind of stuff and that lady who's so flexible, that just hurts just looking at it. That's not what Scripture's calling us to be. I mean, you can be that, I suppose, but that's not the idea. It isn't the, the est. These are the est, the richest, the strongest, the most, the limberest, I suppose. I don't know. We're er people. We just want to do it. So we changed the name of the whole series last week. Remember at the very end. This is what we did. Instead of calling it getting healthy, we called it getting healthy er. Okay, that's it. We're trying to get healthy er. And we're going to look at several different areas of our life to be able to get help. What the scripture says about getting healthy er. And now we're to your sermon notes. Here's the areas that we're looking at right here. We're going to look at physical health, financial health, emotional health, relational health, and spiritual health. Not to be the best in any of these, not to be the richest, but to be better than we are, to be a little healthier. Today, we're going to start with that whole area of physical health. We're going to spend about two weeks on each one of these, and believe it or not, that will take us right up to Thanksgiving. We've got a lot to cover today, so we're going to just jump right in. Ready? Here we go. When it comes to my health, I need to understand the power and limitations of my choices. The power of our choices can really affect how we live. But you know what? In some ways we're really limited, even in our choices, about becoming healthy. Read this with me. You've seen it before. This is really important. This will be important through this whole series. It's important in all of life, but in this series, really important. Ready? Read it with me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference in my word. You'd be surprised how often that really comes into play in our lives. So much of our frustration is when we're trying to change things that cannot be changed, when we will not accept the things that cannot be changed, or when there are some things that we could change, but we just don't have the courage to try. We're going to come back to this from time to time in this whole series. It's really, really important because this is what it means. Sometimes I get to choose what happens to me. Sometimes I have an absolute choice, even in my health. We're going to be talking about those things. But you know what? Sometimes all I get to choose is my response. There are some things that happen. There are some things even in my health that I really don't have any control over. All I get to choose is how I respond to these things. And we're going to take a look at what Scripture says to us about how we respond. Now the things that I have no choice in and all I can do is choose my, those things 
That's what we're going to talk about today. Next week, we'll talk about some of the things that we really have choice over. Today, I want us to take a look at this. We know that we have four areas of physical health. Let's take a look at those. Sometimes all I get to choose my response, four of the factors that determine my physical health. Ready? Age, genetics, diet, and activity. Okay? Put those four things together, will determine my health. My age, my genetics, my diet, and my activity. Two of those things you really don't have much choice in. Which two are those? Age and genetics. There's not much you can do about that. You are, you're the package you came with. Two of those you really can choose. Which are those two? Diet and activity. We'll talk about those next week. Okay. Today we're going to talk about the first two. The two that, quite frankly, you don't have much choice in. All you get to choose is how to respond. So let's take a look at that first one right here. What does it mean to age or aging? By the way, I spelled it two ways there for you, just uh, so that you know that the first one, aging, is how it is spelled here in Canada and the United States of America. The second one, aging, is how it's spelled in all other English-speaking languages. Don't ask me why. But rather than receive all the emails about how I misspelled this word, I just wanted you to know, okay, this is why. I know it. There you go. It's amazing the things you find on the internet, isn't it? Okay, are you ready? Write this down. This is so important. Write this down. My body is nothing short of a miracle. Yes, your body, even as it is right now today, is nothing short of a miracle. It's incredible how God created you. Even if you're in unhealth today, you're still a walking miracle. That's amazing. Take a, this is what Scripture says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that for well. And that includes me. And this was long before medical science had really investigated the cells. Okay, look at this. Watch these things. I'm going to read them for you pretty quickly. With the 60,000 miles of blood vessels inside the average human body... Did you know that? You could circumnavigate the earth two and a half times just with the blood vessels in your body. The human eye is so sensitive that if the earth were flat, you could spot a candle flickering at night from up to 30 miles away. The nerve impulses travel to and from the brain at speeds of up to 250 miles per hour, faster than a Formula One race car. How about this? An adult is made up of, what is that, seven octillion atoms. For perspective, there's only a measly 300 billion stars in our galaxy. How many atoms you got in your little body? Your body produces 25 million new cells each second. Every 13 seconds, you produce more cells than there are people in the United States. Humans shed 40 pounds of skin in their lifetime, completely replacing their outer skin every, every month. Now, do you know what that means? That means the person next to you is shedding skin at an incredible rate. So it's all right if you kind of move over a little bit. How about this? In one day, your blood travels 12,000 miles around your body. That's four times the distance across the U.S., from coast to coast, 12,000 miles. If you stretched out the 300,000 or 300,000, no, it's 300 million capillaries in your lungs, 
from end to end, the line would extend, just the capillaries in your lungs, from Seattle to San Diego, about 1,300 miles, your body is an incredible miracle. Even if it's broken right now. However, with all of the miracles that your body is, write this down, this is really important. Are you ready? But if I live long enough, I will eventually die from living long enough. That's the way it is, guys. Nothing you can do about it. You can eat healthy. You can exercise. That might prolong your life. It might not. But at some point, you will have lived long enough and your body will become so unhealthy that you will have to leave it. Your body will become so unhealthy that you can't stay in it anymore and there's nothing you can do about that. It is going to happen. It happened to Howard Dean this last week, didn't it? He went home. He'd been in hospice care for a few months and we saw him get a little weaker and a little more unhealthy, a little more unhealthy, and then it was it. His body became so unhealthy that he couldn't live in it anymore. And he went home. And it wasn't because he didn't eat right or he, didn't, he wasn't obese. It's just what happens. Take a look at this passage. Now, this may, this may be a downer for you, except I need you to accept this. Okay, there's, there's a reason that this is really important. We'll get to it before we're all done. Scripture tells us this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. That includes a time to be born, but it also includes a time to die. Sorry, guys, there's nothing you can do about it. It comes with the package. Take a look at this passage right here from Psalm 90. We live for 70 years or so. With luck, we might make it to 80. And what do we have for show for it? Trouble, toil, and trouble, and mark, and the mark. Okay, now, did, did you notice this? See, there is this misconception out there that, that people live longer today than they used to. And the answer is, on average, sure, of course. And that's because we've taken care of some of the things, some, in, some of the diseases. And even when, in, in, in some cultures, if their average age is 35, what that means is for every baby who was born dead, there was someone who lived to be 70, and the average age is 35. Our average age has gone up considerably over the last 100 years or so because of medical technology, things like that. Uh, women don't die in childbirth like they used to. Children live longer. But once you get past that age, you know what? Human beings have been living between 75 and 85 for thousands and thousands of years. The upper age of who we are really hasn't changed that much. 75, 85 Many people make it past that. Some even reach 100. But most don't. 75, 85, it's been that way for thousands of years. Let me show you what aging does to us because it affects us so much. It affects every area of your bodies, your cardiovascular system. It just gets a little harder to pump the blood in your bones and your joints and your muscles, your digestive system, your bladder, your urinary tract, your memory, your eyes, your ears, your teeth, your skin, your weight, your sexuality. Can anyone say Viagra? Okay. Guys, guess what? You're going to get older and there's nothing you can do about it. It just happens. Okay? 
that's something we're going to have to deal with. This really shouldn't be much of a surprise. In fact, Scripture tells us this. Scripture even writes about it. An old man in Scripture talks about becoming an old man. Take a look at this one from Ecclesiastes. Honor and enjoy your Creator while you're still young, before the years take their toll and your vigor wanes, before your, your vision dims and the world blurs, and the winter years keep you close to the fire. In old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Muscles slacken, grip weakens, joints stiffen. The shades are pulled down on the world. In other words, you can't see very well. You can't come and go at will. Things grind to a halt. He's talking about the teeth. <laughs> they just don't work like they used to, or maybe they're not there at all anymore. The hum of the household fades away. You can't hear. You're wakened now by a bird song. You just don't sleep very well. Hikes to the mountain are a thing of the past. Even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns apple blossom white, assuming you have any. Adorning a fragile and impotent, impotent matchstick body. Yeah, actually in the original languages, it's talking about impotency right here. That sexual desire goes away. It just happens. Yes, you're well on your way to eternal rest. I love it while your friends make plans for your funeral. Now, isn't that a happy thought for the day? Aren't you glad you came to church? Guess what? Going to happen, guys. I find myself at age 61, and I can't figure out how that happened. I go out and I work out at the gym because I get to be able to do that, and, and I'm in much better shape than my father was at this particular age. But I've watched some of these young guys, and, man, they... They can lift weights and do things I can't do anymore. And I'm not a weakling. I'm not. I'm in pretty decent health. But I can't do what I used to do. And I can work out all I want to, and I will never, ever be able to do what I used to do. That's life. And it happens a little sooner than you might imagine. For instance, one of the first things that happens in aging is your lungs no longer begin to be as elastic as and you can't bring in as much breath as you used to be able to bring in. Do you know what year that happens? When you're 20 years old. When you're 20, your lungs start to go downhill. How many of you are over 20? Anybody here 20? Anybody? Is there anybody here that's just 20? A hand goes up right over there. Way to go. Enjoy it while you can because tomorrow, boy, there it goes. You're out. It happens, guys. And there's no way around it. We're going to get old. Now, there are some things we can do about that. We'll be talking about those more next week. We're going to talk about diet and exercise. But all the diet and the exercise in the world will not keep you from eventually growing old. So old, in fact, that your health will deteriorate so much that you can't live in the body you're living in. That's it. But there's another thing that, that you really can't do that much about. I mean, it just comes as part of your package, and that is this. This is called genetics hey genetics just simply means the package you were born with the genes that you have hey you look the way you look because of the genes that you have but sometimes you are healthy or unhealthy because of the genes that you have it's not your fault there's nothing you can do about it See, sometimes there's something that we call this genetic cause of unhealth. There are some things that are absolutely caused by our genes. There's nothing you can do about it. If you have these genes, you will have this unhealth. That's it. There's nothing anybody can do about it. You just have it because of your genes. Here's a little bit of a 
of a, as a matter of fact, the disciples had to learn this. Let's take a look at this passage because here's where Jesus pointed out. As they went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man and his parents were born blind? In other words, they, they saw unhealth. Always unhealth was a result of a choice. Always. Okay, if, if a man is born blind, somebody had to choose to sin, which is why he's being punished. And since he was born blind, it means in a previous life, somebody had to choose sin. So who was it? Was it his parents? Did they sin before he was born? Or did he sin before he was born? And Jesus says, no, you've got it all wrong. He didn't give them a lesson in genetics at the point, at that time. They weren't ready to hear it. But what Jesus understood is the guy was born blind because his genes said he would be born blind. That's the way it is. But that doesn't mean that God can't be glorified through him. He says, neither. It, it, it has nothing to do with someone's choices here. But that this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Whether he was healed or whether he just learned to live to the glory of God with his blindness, he could bring glory to God through his blindness. But it wasn't a choice. It was how he was born. That's the way it works. I'm going to give you here a partial list of some of the things that would happen if you happen to be born with the right genes and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. Ready? Take a look at this. Some forms of autism are just because of the genes you have. There are some forms of breast cancer that you're going to get it just because of your genes. You can eat properly, you can do other things, but it won't matter. Some of your genes have come and they're broken and you're going to get it. Hemophilia? Hemophiliacs don't have hemophilia because they're not exercising enough. It's because their genes came that way, and they've got it. Huntington's disease, Parkinson's disease, prostate cancer, some forms of that. Sickle cell disease, skin cancer, some of those forms, Alzheimer's, bipolar. This is just a partial list. Lynette, are you back there doing words? Okay. Now, Lynette is our, is our resident, she's our physician's assistant here, and, and so it, you have full permission to wave at me and say, you know, this... I've been doing a lot of studying this thing to make sure that I'm right, but so far we're, we're okay, right? Okay, she's going, yeah, okay. Because Lynette is our resident physician's assistant, and she's got far more education in this one. I've had to become educated as I was studying for this. But let me tell you something. If you have these genes, you will get that disease and that unhealth, and there's nothing you can do about it. It comes as part of the package. But then there's another way that the genes really affect us. Okay? And that is a genetic tendency towards unhealth. Okay? What we mean by this is you'll hear somebody say things like, um, well, it runs in your family. And when you're filling out job applications, you're filling out health applications, you're filling out for insurance, they'll say, what does, run, does, does heart disease run in your family? Now, let me know what they, what they mean by that. They mean, do you have a genetic tendency towards heart disease? It doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to get it. But there's a tendency in your genes towards that. We know that there are genetic tendencies. Scripture even tells us that. For instance, we have a genetic tendency towards what? Sin and selfishness. Okay? It has nothing to do with how you eat or exercise. You are born with a tendency towards sin and selfishness 
We have so many different words for that. What do we call them? Let's see if anybody can come up with some of the words that we use to describe this genetic tendency towards sin and selfishness. What was it? Okay, we're coming to that. That's a good manifestation of it. But we call it here in, in the, in, through the scripture, we call it things like um, original sin. I love it. Inherited depravity. Is there any reason we don't use that phrase any longer? We used to. But that's what it means. It means it came along. We're, we're, we're selfish by nature. And you, if you're parents at all, you know this because your kids came out that way. You didn't have to teach them to be selfish. Mine was one of their first words and you didn't have to even teach it. They're just, we spend so much of our life in, the, in raising our kids, teaching them to not be selfish. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be selfish in every single solitary situation but you got that tendency it came as part of the package we got it from our very first ancestors because of their rebellion against God and now take a look at this partial list of other tendencies we might have now you may not have these things but you might get them because you have the tendency for instance how about Diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, heart disease, yeah, obesity. We are now learning that obesity actually in many people is a genetic tendency. And they're discovering some things about that, by the way. So if, if you happen to be obese, be affirmed today. Okay, I happen to be obese. Because so. they're discovering that the tendency towards obesity throughout most of history was a very good thing. It's only been recently that we look at it and say it's bad. You know why? Because those people who tended to be obese, there are some people, quite frankly, whose metabolism, other things, it just doesn't work like others. There are some individuals who are, who are thin and they're thin because they've learned to eat properly. Others of you are thin and it doesn't matter what you eat, does it? I mean, you can eat anything and you stay thin. I hate you. I just do. <laughs> Sorry. God and I are dealing with it. I'll smile at you and say, I, I've had friends. can eat anything. And they stay thin. Disgusting. But other times there are other people that, you, guess what? Over the course of history, it has been better to have the tendency to be obese. Because here's why. You put on extra body fat. And when the times of famine came, and they always came, guess who died first? <laughs> it was the skinny people dropping dead. And all of us obese people are going, hey, you thought it was the meek that would inherit the earth? No way, it's the obese people. We're the ones who are going to live the longest in the times of famine. Well, we don't live in times of famine any longer. Now we understand the problems with obesity, and I'm not saying obesity is good, but I just want you to understand and be affirmed. Some of us have the tendency, a genetic tendency. doesn't mean you have to be obese, but it does help to understand why some of us struggle. I mean, really struggle at losing and maintaining weight. And others... It's just, oh, I hate to use this as a phrase, a piece of cake. So you can take it any way you want. <laughs> Stroke. Stroke runs in my family. 
Heart disease is not running my family. There's not a single incident that I can think of in any side of my family going back as far as I know that anybody in my family had a heart attack, period. But stroke? Oh, yeah. You know what else runs in my family? Alcoholism. Never knew my grandfather. My dad's dad uh, died of alcohol-related diseases in, what, 46 years before I was born. My uncle, completely destroyed by alcoholism. My brother, brilliant. Makes me look like an idiot. That's how brilliant he is. His whole life really just damaged severely because of alcoholism. I look at my kids, and I know they've got the tendency, and it's so far the next generation has avoided, but then again, the next generation is pretty young too. But it runs in the family. See, these are all genetic tendencies, and they're, they're here because humanity is broken. Please remember, it was never supposed to be this way. It wasn't. God didn't create us even to die. We were created to live and to live forever in his presence. And we were created to be whole and healthy. If you take a look at the very first chapter in Genesis, in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2, you, you see this, this health. The whole world was a picture of perfect health. Health with in your body, health in a relationship with God, health in a relationship with nature, nature. It's just incredible. We'll take a look at a little bit of that next week. But when sin came into this world through human beings, when we allowed it to come in, when we chose against him, when we decided to go our own way, it opened the door for all the unhealth that we see. It opened the door to death. And now people grow old and die. It opened the door to cancer and heart disease, mental illness, and everything else that we face. It wasn't supposed to be that way. But here it is. And there's nothing you can do about it. Your genes and your age are going to determine very much where your health level is. Now, here's the question then as we get ready to close this in just a few minutes. Question. What do I do about it? And you say, well, wait a minute. You just said I couldn't. Well, you can't change it. In other words, you can't choose to be younger and you can't choose to change your genes. Remember, there are some things that are beyond your choice, but there are some things that you choose how you respond to it. Here we are. This is one of those great, when, when we're talking about the serenity prayer, you know, help me accept the things I can't change. I can't change that I'm going to grow old. I can't change my genes. But I can respond to them. I do get to choose on how I'm going to respond to growing older and how I respond to the genetic package that I was dealt with when I came into this world. Ready? Let's take a look at it. Here we go. We'll take a look at the things that we really can do, the diet and the activity next week. Today, as we close, I just want you to remember these two things. First of all, you have to accept that these are part of who I am. I'm going to get older. And my genes really control a lot of my health. That's who I am, guys. It's always going to happen that way. 
We are, we are in broken bodies. Scripture says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. In other words, Paul writes, he says, you know, we have this beautiful glory of God. We've got the spirit of the living God living right in us, but you know what? It's, it's living in this thing right here, and this thing is so limited. In fact, this thing is so limited, it's only going to stick around for a very short period of time. And then it's going to get a little more unhealthy, a little more unhealthy, and eventually it will become so unhealthy, I can't stay here anymore and I've got to go. It's going to happen, guys. You know, if we don't accept that, we actually wind up hurting ourselves. I had a good friend in um, the Deer Flat Church when I was on staff there. Great guy. His name is Woody. And long before, you know, the cartoon version of Woody, so we called him. Farmer, strong guy, but uh, he got older, which is understandable because that's what everybody does. But he had a hard time accepting that he was getting older, and he still tried to do all the things that he did when he was younger, and he was a farmer. And of course, these young farmers, man, it's like that. And then he got to the point where he was 60 and 65 and 70, and he still tried to do those things. And one day, trying to do all those things, he really hurt his back. Just messed it up. He just kind of confused because, you know, he could do those and lift all that weight before. So the doctor pulled him aside and said, you know, you need to take a little break. And he wouldn't. Because he was big and strong. So he went right back to doing what he was doing and wound up flat on his back for a year, unable to move. Because he couldn't accept the fact that he got older. You've got to accept it. It's who you are. I'll give you even a tougher example. How many have ever heard of a guy named Jim Fix? Let's see if we've got a picture right here. Jim Fix. See him right there? Jim Fix, that man right there, owes the world so much, particularly Nike and other places, because that is the man that started the running craze right there. Jim Fix. This is the book that he wrote. I think it was, what, 1974, something like that. Prior to Jim Fix, nobody ran for fun. It would be like saying, let's bang our thumb with a hammer for fun, okay? (laughs) If you saw somebody running down the road in the 60s and early 70s, it's because somebody was chasing them. (laughs) And then Jim Fix came out, and Jim Fix who had been a little obese, and he he became a runner, and he wrote a book that said, boy, this is great to run. Next thing you know, the running fad took off, and of course, it's been, what, 40 years? And out of that came Nike and all the other equipment and everything else. I mean, the the marathons that that people do, not just in the Olympics, because that's the only time they ever did it. It's incredible. Jim Fix started the whole craze. I remember. Not that I ever got into it, because I always hated running, even when it was the craze. Then in 19, I think 84 was, Jim Fix went out for his morning run. I think it was uh, September 20th or October 20th, 84. Had a massive heart attack, fell down and was dead before he hit the ground. He was 52. Kind of a blow to the running craze, as a matter of fact, because their guru died of a massive heart attack. But let me tell you why he died. We found this afterwards. Jim Fix started the running craze and he ran because his dad had dropped dead at like age 42 from a heart attack. 
And he was a little overweight and he wanted to lose weight, so he started to run. But at the time of his death, his heart was greatly enlarged, almost twice the size it should be. And his arteries were so closed that one artery was almost 100% closed. Because genetically, that's what he was prone to. But rather than accept that, he did that which he couldn't do. And it cost him his life at age 52. We have to accept who we are. It's okay. We're going to get older. I can't do what I used to do. I can't think like I used to think. I can't remember the things I used to remember. It's okay. It happens. And if it hasn't happened to you, it will. Because if you live long enough, you're going to die from living long enough. And my genetic package limits and changes how I live. It's just that way. I'm going to accept it. But you know what? And here it is. Even though I have to accept that's who I am, I will not let it define who I am. This is the key. But do not let define. I have these things. I'm going to get older. I have a genetic package. And I have to accept that they're part of who I am. But I'm not going to let them define who I am. These are things that happen to my body. This thing is, is a thing I'm living in. And one day I'm going to shed it. And it's going to be gone. I am separate Take a look at this passage, because this is what I want you to remember as we get out of here. Next Sunday when we come back, we'll talk about some things we can do, the activity and diet. I think you'll find that Scripture says a lot about it. It's going to be fun. Here's what Scripture says. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's, not, but that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who He is or what He's up to. We are the children of God. You've got to say, I am a child of God. Say that with me. I am a child of God. I don't care about your age. I don't care about your health. I don't care about your genetic package. Those things only have to do with this little body we're living in. The tr what is true is simply this. Say it with me. I am a child of God. For instance, take a look at this. I am not an old person. I'm 61. Now, some of you are Others of you look at me and go, 61. Oh, death is just that close, you know. But I don't care how old you are. I can say that 61, but you know what? Is Lucy here today? Where is Lucy? Hi, Lucy. And Margaret Peacock, bless your heart, because I happen to know how old you guys are. Okay? Can the two of you say this with me right here? Say, I am not an old person. Say it with me. I, I am not an old person. But I can say this right here. I am a person loved and accepted by God who's living in an old body. Right? Say it with me. I am a person loved and accepted by God who is living in what? An old body. That's it. Older. I like it. Not S. Not oldest body. I don't know who's oldest around here, but... You see... The problem in our culture is we take these things in the genetic package in our age and, and we try to use them to say, this is who I am. I'm just, I'm just an old person. I, I can't. No, you're not. You are a person who was loved and honored and accepted by God. 
you may be living in an old or even a young, unhealthy body. Okay, you might be. That's not who you are. Jesus didn't die for your body. He died for you. And he redeems you. And as you grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, you become wiser. You become better. Even as your body gets older and more unhealthy, you get better and better and better in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a look at this passage as we close. Read it with me. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body one day. This thing will become so unhealthy, and there's nothing I can do about it. It's going to happen. I can eat well. I can have all that tip. But one day, I'm gonna, if I live long enough, I'm going to die from living long enough. One day, this body gets so unhealthy, I can't live here anymore. And Jesus says, oh man, if I got a body for you, wait till you get up here. Wait till you see what I've created for you. And it won't have any of those problems because when I create this body up here, genetics won't be an issue. And old age won't be an issue. And unhealth won't be an issue. You are not an old person or a broken person or a person living in a healthy body or a person with multiple sclerosis or a person with Parkinson's or a person with bipolar or a person with diabetes. You are a person who is loved and accepted by God who happens to be living in a body that is affected with old age, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, diabetes, obesity. But that's not you. You are loved and accepted by your Father. And that's where we're going to end it. Father, thank you so much. Sometimes we fight against the things that we really can't change. We, we just won't accept the fact that we're getting older. We, we don't want to accept the fact that, that our bodies are broken. Father, we need to do that. But never let those things define who we are because we're separate from that. You love us and you accept us. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. And one day, all the unhealth we deal with, that's going to be going away. Father, thank you. We appreciate so much your love for us. Thank you. Those who are going to help me serve the elements of communion, if you'd come forward, please. We're going to spend a little time now in what we call Selah. Selah just means think about it. Now, you can be thinking about how you feel about yourself. See, some of you have been really down on yourself because you're overweight or your body isn't working well, or you think you're not valuable any longer because you're too old. And you've allowed these things to define who you are. 
And the truth is simply this. You're separate from all of that. You are loved and accepted by God. And you may be living in a broken body, but that's not who you are. And you need to accept the love of Jesus Christ right now, today. And then also, would you remember to be praying for the ministries around the world, maybe even specifically for what we talked about earlier, seed. All those particularly widows around the world who have no way to make a living for themselves except through the ministries that we're helping to provide. Be praying for them as well. And the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he broke it, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. In the same way after supper, he took the cup. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this cup is the new covenant. My blood shed for forgiveness of sins. For as oft as you do eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do remember the Lord's death till he comes again. We serve what's called open communion, which simply means you can be a first-time visitor this morning and come receive the elements if you want to. They're available almost every week. Some people come almost every week. Others, only every now and then. We leave that up to you. But let's take some time now to think, to hear from the Spirit. And give Jesus Christ praise. And especially, thank him for the fact that he loves you so very much. In spite of the unhealth, even if we've caused it ourselves. Thank you, Jesus.